There are dire warnings that New South Wales will be hit by increasingly extreme weather. 2015 was the hottest year since climate records began. Your show this July was the single hottest month in recorded history. Australia sweltered through its hottest spring on record. Climate change is now affecting every country on every continent. The rate is a great concern. And what do you want that rate down to? Oh, it's human activity. We have everything we need. Some still doubt that we have the will to act. But I say the will to act is itself a renewable resource. Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Climactic, the voice of the people on climate change. Yes, welcome listeners and hello Mark. This week we're taking the people's voice part very seriously with a special interview you conducted with sustainability experts Liz O'Dwyer and Madeleine Clark. Yes, these are two people that really inspire me, and it's great to be able to share them with you on the show. It was such a pleasure to get two consultants into the studio and Mm. then just get to sit back and listen to their conversation. Yep. I met Liz while I was still back in my sales job, back in in kind of a past life now. (laughs) And her passion for the environment and doing the right thing, it really struck a chord in me. It was time spent talking to her and hearing her share her own hard-fought experiences with becoming more sustainable at home that uh, actually was a big inspiration for me to start the show. And we've both now received copies of Liz's book, Switch on Sustainability, Mark. Mine hit the Central West Climactic Studios only late yesterday, so haven't had much of a chance to look through it, but I've flicked through it, and gee, it's well set out, isn't it? Yeah, I really love the standalone nature of the book, so it's a lot more of a a handbook than a, a novel you read cover to cover. Yes. So it's all set out in various topics, so it's really easy to dip in for what you need when you need it. Now, that's fascinating, Mark, and yes, the motto of the book is one that resonates too, micro change for macro impact. As Liz and Madeleine explained in your interview, we're all at different stages on our sustainability journey, but there are always small measures we can take to help save the planet. It's also great to remember as well, you can start from anywhere on this journey. You don't have to reach a certain point before you can start to get serious about sustainability. Exactly. That's a highly recommended book. And here is Mark talking to Liz O'Dwyer and Madeleine Clark. All right. We are back in the Library at the Dock recording studio. I'm here with with one of my heroes and one of my newly found heroes. I'm here with Liz O'Dwyer of Switch On Sustainability and Triple Your Bottom Line and Madeline Clark. I met her this weekend at this amazing beach cleanup slash bus tour that Autopia tours and uh, a couple of ladies who work there who is actually going to be back in the studio with me later today set up this tour to basically take a bunch of people out of the city, go see all the lovely sites you normally do as a tourist, but also then to do a beach cleanup and sort of take a bit of responsibility for this beautiful place you're going to go see. So Madeline was on that bus as well, and she was uh, very flexible enough to give a, a, a talk on sustainability, sort of the, the do's and don'ts of recycling, as well as other aspects of sustainability, while in a moving bus going around those windy roads of the Great Ocean Road. She, was, she did very well. So we've got uh, two consultants in the room now. So I figured I would sort of let them each give a, a pitch about what they're doing, and then we can maybe ask some questions and bounce off each other a bit. So, Liz, uh, can you tell us about your consultancy? Sure. Thanks, Mark. And so great to be here. Um, my consultancy or my journey on sustainability started almost 20 years ago when I started my love affair with gardening in general. It was ornamental gardens, though. And so they were beautiful. It was lots of work. It was lots of water going into the gardens. But all I could do was look at it. 
there was no other productivity that came out of that. Anyway, I thought, hmm, I might plant me a capsicum tree or a capsicum bush. And so I did that. And the feeling that I got of wholeness, of completion, of motivation and satisfaction about growing that one capsicum bush started me on on a whole new level of love affairs with gardening and sustainability and growing my own. So when I moved out to regional Victoria, I got a fairly large plot and have been building that up and building up the food forest over the last almost 20 years. And so that took me down a road of consultancy to hospitality businesses. Now we know that hospitality businesses create a lot of food waste because they're feeding the masses on a daily basis. So um, my passion was to divert that food waste into other areas. So I know that hospitality business owners are very time poor, as are we all. My offerings is around building in sustainable strategies to divert that waste elsewhere, so to other composting facilities and, and whatnot. So there's a lot of strategies that that I can uh, implement into hospitality businesses to reduce that food waste. That's amazing. Yeah, my day job right now is in hospitality and the amount of food that gets thrown out and yeah, the lack of time by the owners to actually think about yeah. what they're doing and ways they could do it better is completely absent. Yes. So sometimes it does take some fresh eyes coming in like you to say, yeah, look, here's some pretty obvious solutions that you obviously just haven't had the time or the headspace to think of yourself. Yeah, and the conversations that I've had with the business owners, it, it's exactly right. They're so time poor and some of them are really passionate about the environment and sustainability, but they just don't have enough time to step away from working in the business to research and implement any of those strategies. And that's where my program for the hospitality businesses come into play. Very good. Mm. Madeline, so you aren't in the hospitality space, is that right? No. So, so wh- where are you focusing? Um, so focusing more on um, individuals and everyday life, wanting to do something quite similar but with the individual and more within their own home and their daily life and how they go about living. So like Liz, I began my sustainability journey about five years ago, so it's not quite as long. <laughs> I'm still very... New. I think you'll always be learning in this space. I don't think it ever reaches a point where very true. you know everything because there's always something new happening. And I very much consider this to be a journey that I'm on mm-hmm. rather than a, a sort of destination that I'll reach. And then I'm able to sort of pass on ideas and thoughts from there. So I'm on the journey just like everybody else that I hope to work with. We're just at different points. So I very much view sustainability as a spectrum, um, hence green spectrum, (laughs) that it is all about finding what works for you and finding a way to incorporate sustainable living and sustainable ideas into your lifestyle and that don't threaten that too greatly and also working with people's individual budgets is another really big one and just challenging that whole idea that sustainability is this sort of all or nothing you're either living sustainably or you're not and and really wanting to challenge that and encourage people to think well if there's an option where you feel that you can incorporate that into your life then that's worth focusing on and and feeling positive about as opposed to just sort of turfing out all ideas around sustainability, even if it's not the most sustainable option, if it's better than what you're doing, that's still that's still positive and worth encouraging. I feel too much pressure and judgment in the space. People feel very judged if they're not doing what's considered the, the best thing and feel very overwhelmed by the amount of information out there. So I'm just hoping to try and minimise that and give people realistic options for their everyday life. That's fantastic. So you both have really 
good starting premises, both of you, for your businesses. Um, I, I completely agree with everything there, Madeline. I was really kind of worried getting into sustainability for the first time myself just a couple months ago rather than just talking about it or observing it that I was going to be subjected to the purity test a lot. Mm. You know, like you must be yes. this tall to yes. call yourself sustainable or yes. like <laughs> need to get into the base of sustainability rather than self-sacrifice. Mm. Yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and, and what you said now and, and what you said on the bus as well really uh, – really was a good way to put that message across. And I hope other people like me took a lot away from it. So these are both two good starting premises, but how do you make these ideas a sustainable business for yourself? How do you support yourself in doing this? Is there any models out there or successful green sustainable consulting practices you guys are looking at, modeling yourselves after, taking ideas from? The program that I have written for the hospitality businesses, to me, I do a lot of sustainable practice at home mm -hmm. and I look at a hospitality business as just an extended version of home. Like they're still cooking meals three times a day, mm -hmm. but they're doing it on a much larger scale. So, mm -hmm. you know, whatever I do at home in terms of making sure the food waste goes into the bin, I'm not bringing into the home any non-compostable items, you know, such as the poly the poly boxes, like we call them the broccoli boxes. I make sure that I don't bring any poly boxes onto the property, nothing that can't be composted or recycled in some way, even down to the simple single-use plastic bags that we are also familiar with when we go to the supermarket. I've changed over those to cloth bags over time. You know, they work really well, and I've got a plethora of them at, at, at all times, in the car, in the house. Um, there's always one in my laptop bag because even though I don't think that I'm going to purchase anything while I'm mm -hmm. out for the day, you know what it's like. You, you know, you yeah. call into the supermarket for one thing and come out with 10 and, you know, there's your bag full. So, mm. yeah, it's it's making sure that, you know, you've got those those changes and, mm -hmm. and it really is just a conscious change in your mindset. And to make that change in the first place, you get exposed to the information of what's going on, you get exposed to the science and the facts and we don't even have to go into all that, but you get exposed mm. to that mindset, then you want to make these changes. So you've treated yourself a bit as the guinea pig for these changes. And you said, this is what I can do. Here's yeah. how I've done it. And how do you make that scale? How do you make that into a business? I've got the program for the hospitality business, for the hospitality industry. I've also just written a book, Switch on Sustainability. So that concentrates on making a lot of the micro changes. So it's changing away from the single-use plastic bag to cloth bags. And the cloth bags aren't seen as just for hippies anymore. You know, it used to have a little bit of that stigma about it, just a hippie because you've got cloth bags. And it's like, well, no, I care about the environment and what it's doing. And mm. there are a lot of figures banded around in various reports about how long it takes a plastic bag to break down. It can be, you know, several hundred years. And even though they've bought out the biodegradable bags now for the supermarkets, they are still made from the same materials and they still take the same amount of time to break down, but they just break down into tiny pieces, which is, you know, in some ways even worse because if it gets into the water streams and then the marine life are affected. When, um, when yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> So it's so just you, you goes are, on. You, the reason why you're doing it is so compelling. And as mm. soon as you get the chance to talk to someone, why we need to make the changes are so obvious to people like us. Yeah. Mm. But, um, I'm just curious of, are you kind of letting people find you, kind of self-select into, okay, I know I need to change, therefore, how do I do it? Mm. I, I need some help with this. Mm. Is that kind of the operating premise of, of the business at the moment? Yes. Yes, I do have a whole marketing campaign planned out. And ironically... It's people are almost waiting until the book is printed. 
Mm. It's like, guys, don't wait. It's another couple of weeks. You can make changes in the next couple of weeks. Uh, But the book concentrates on the micro changes that we can make every day. Through various conversations, people now have changed to cloth bags and they're very proud to say, Liz, Liz, I've gotten rid of all of my plastic bags and I only ever use cloth bags and I only ever buy as much as what I can to fit in that one bag because I refuse to buy the Mm. green bags that the supermarkets supply even though I've... Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it holds your weekly budget if you've only gone in there with one or two bags because that's all people buy, you know, is to actually fill in those bags because they don't want to get any more plastic bags. And they've changed to reusable coffee cups. And so it's really, really cool to see people making the changes. So it's the micro changes when, you know, we're not talking about refitting the whole house to be environmentally Mm. sustainable. And and of course, that's an option, but yeah, yeah, that's down the track. But it's it's all of the micro changes that you can make. And in the book, I've given them online options to purchase. I've given them DIY options if they want to make, you know, so I've tried to cater to as many markets as possible, but it's the really tiny, tiny things that we can do to change. And not to talk shop here, but it's kind of good to get a little behind the veil. Both of you are people that I can go to workshops of, the listeners can kind of see the the public face and and get the on-message person. And I'm sure you don't want to really break that here. And (laughs) don't worry, all this is edited out. But um, I'm just curious, kind of, if somebody wanted to do what you're doing now, Liz, in, say, another state or another country, hopefully far away from your market... (laughs) Your kind of model right now is implement changes at home, small changes, mm. show they work, be the guinea pig, mm. write the book, kind of solidify yourself as like an expert level, and then you can convert that into other opportunities as well. Is that right? Yes, I could. But the whole premise of me writing a book was because I was being ch- I, somebody challenged me to write the book. And I thought, oh, that was after a couple of conversations um, with this person that I was challenged. And they said, you know, you know stuff about sustainability. And I went, oh. Do you think? Do you think I do? Mm-hmm. And uh, two hundred pages later, and I thought mm, maybe I do know something about sustainability. <laughs> Just, you know, I, <laughs> to me, it's such a natural thing to do. And she said, "The stuff that you do, though, is just nobody would ever dream of making their own." moisturizers and skincares mm. and, you know, mm. body lotions and stuff. And I said, yes, but it's so simple. So I guess you've just got to have that awareness of the mainstream products and the damage that they are doing both to us with the amount of chemicals that are in there and environmentally mm. and they're being manufactured and, you know. I think it's really important that if someone is at the beginning of their journey that to sort of think about creating all of your products and, and I, like I'm not even at that point yet. Of course, so, it's taken me, that, you know, yeah. 15 years to get to that point. Because but, it, it can yeah. be really overwhelming. Absolutely. And people sort of think, oh, my goodness, yep. look at the way you're living and that's so incredible and I'm just going to take it all on and, you know, start Monday, kind of like mm. your crash, crash diet. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> we all know we're crash diets, yeah. leaders. <laughs> Crash sustainability. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But what I stress in the book is one change at a time. Yep. Otherwise, we do get into overwhelm. Yeah, absolutely. And no changes that we make Mm. get ingrained into our daily habits. Mm. So it's one change. And Mm. less likely to go back and try something again if you've had a really negative experience and that that sense of failure has been built up in you. Oh, I keep trying. Sustainability doesn't work for me. And then there's those negative associations and you just want to run a million miles from anyone talking about sustainability. Yes. Um, so, and that's self-generated. People have done of that course. to themselves. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, and the market and the industry has done that as well, I think, to sort of overwhelm you to the point where you just think, whoa, this is so huge and so terrifying. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I think that's a wonderful way to approach it. Mm, one, one at a time. At a time. Yep. Yep. Right. And, and you will forget. You will forget mm. your bags. You will forget your coffee yeah, cup. Absolutely. Don't beat yourself up. Yeah. Because it is a change. 
Yep. You know, it's like any other change that we make in our lifestyle. It does take that effort mm. and it takes the, the post-it notes, sticky reminders on your, yeah. your steering wheel before you go into the supermarket to take your bags in. Yep. You know, it takes them being left on the on the door before you leave home. And, you know, yep. you do have to make those changes. But the biggest change you need to be to make is to be conscious about it. Mm. Okay, what am I doing today? How, how can I change that to be a more sustainable model? You know, mm. where do I shop? Can I shop at farmer's markets to buy fresher produce and thereby by supporting mm. the farmers who are, I mean, that's probably a whole other conversation is supporting the Australian farmers. But I, I think we need to have an entire series or maybe a spinoff show with you to <laughs> yeah. talk about this stuff. You get in the same room and, and it, I, I could listen all day. Mm. Unfortunately, I'm up, a bit, uh, I'm up against it a little bit today. Um, Madeline, can I ask, what is it you're, you're doing with this business in this sort of early days that means you're still going to be doing it in five years? I'm really wanting to focus on connecting with people and offering them options so that they can connect with me and that I can support them on this journey and, and offer the support and encouragement to make sustainable changes. And so wanting to put together programs, continue doing workshops, but put together say six and 12 week programs where people can connect and then it'd be a lot more engaged over a longer period of time. Mm. Because like we've sort of talked about, it's really hard to implement things and get your head around things if you have just gone to a, an hour long workshop. Just wanting to find ways that I can connect with people means that it will bring about lasting change for them. And just coming up with some of those really simple ideas like stick a sticky note on your mm. on your um, steering wheel and all of those little things that mm-hmm. just breaking down those barriers between what people are doing currently and are living sustainably and doing uh, – there's a lot of back work as well that happens. I think Liz will know this, that you spend high weekends researching. It took me <laughs> nine months to find a sponge that I currently use that I'm happy with. So I had to trial all these sponges and found something. You need to be the, the wire cutter or like the tech product review yeah. aggregator for sustainability products. That's right. So, yeah. Like there, there's, a, there's a way to make a living off doing that research. And it's research that I can benefit mm. from, but I'm not going to do myself. Yes. And a lot of people aren't. And that's okay. We're all we're, live very busy lives. Um, We're time poor. If you don't consider that as just part of people's everyday life, then you're just going to miss the mark. You're either a a hippie living on a commune or you're a a horrendous consumer is is just not the case anymore. You can be part of everyday life and do things the way you like to do them without having to have a complete life transformation. That's right. You can move incrementally along the green spectrum. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's good. So well, It sounds like another p- potential thing could be that you become like a guru, kind of like the Beatles would go to India to you know, spend three months with their guru. You could be the sustainability guru for the, the rich like and the famous sound of here that. in Melbourne. Yes. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be lovely. Take them on a three-month course to be like, stop buying yes. takeaway coffee cups. <laughs> it's going to take you three months to learn this. Yes. And have um, sustainability <laughs> retreats. Mm. Well, why yes. not? We do retreats around everything else. That's and right. This is something that I know everybody wants to move towards and is conscious of. It's just that connecting with the sustainability space can be really challenging. Yeah, so that's, right. that's really my aim at the moment is to find ways to connect with people and make it feasible for them to bring about change. Yeah, very good. So you're both in this consulting space, you're both dealing person to person with people, which obviously Mm. has some challenges in terms of scale. There's only so much of you. There's so many potential people. Mm. 
you spending that time on the bus this weekend was really, really great for all 23 other of us on the bus. And then that was a day of your life gone. Mm -hmm. And you reached 23 of us. I'm just curious, is there anybody else in this space doing something that you want to emulate or who's having success or reaching a scale that you're kind of modeling yourselves after? Or to go back to the framing question, are you guys on the frontier, you like the lone lone voices in the wilderness doing this work? No, I don't think I don't think I'm alone in this space. I know that there are other books written about sustainability, but my book concentrating on the the micro change, what I, what I call a micro change for macro impact, is that I have so many conversations with people about the single use coffee cups and about the plastic, plastic single use plastic bags, and and they all stand there and they nod their head because they know that they shouldn't be using them and yet they it's they haven't made that change so they actually haven't put into practice the new knowledge that they've learned and so that's my that was my angle it's like okay guys you know you need to do the very basics you know mm-hmm. people go oh yeah I, I know I should mm-hmm. you know if I had I a dollar very for that conscious of the fact I was nodding through what you just said there <laughs> I'm like, oh wait oh that was me <laughs> and it is it's so many people so many mm-hmm. people you know oh I know I should I know I should mm-hmm. and then and their eyes glaze over going, oh, I hope she doesn't ask me any more questions because we're not changing. Because <laughs> we feel so bad. Absolutely. And we feel that, guilty. Yes, there's and, that level of guilt. And I had I had someone sort of say to me the other day, I asked just what, after speaking about what I'm doing, attempting to do in the sustainability space, I said, well, and, you know, how do you spend your days? And they said, oh, I feel really bad telling you. And I sort mm-hmm. of thought, surely it can't be that awful. Um <laughs> And then found out that they were um, part of a demolition crew. So they go in. And my first thought was this is clearly something that needs to happen. There's a market for it. There is, rather than me sitting there and berating you for the work that you do, which isn't going to help anybody, I was more interested in, well, what's something small that I can think of that might be an option for this industry? And we got chatting about that and came up with an option just as simple as putting together a Facebook page and then before all the trucks remove everything and drop it off at the tip, putting up, we've got this 24 hours, get down here, take, and then that helps the business because they have to remove less. Yes. They'd actually save money Mm. um, rather than it being grand scale. And I just thought stuff like that and I really, anybody that comes to me and it is this sort of they they tread really carefully, oh, I don't do this, I know I should do that. And And I'm really really happy and get excited about, well, let's let's talk about that. Why aren't you bringing your coffee cup? Yes. Because the coffee cup isn't the answer, clearly, because you're still doing and engaging with behaviour that is problematic. So mm. let's let's talk about this mm. what, and let's find an option that works for you and let's find a way around it. And that's probably different for you in a way that it's been different for me and will be different from the next person, slightly tweaking it. Just trying to eradicate that judgment mm. and that self-criticism we've got enough in life to feel bad about and we are so self-critical I don't want sustainability to be another thing that we feel bad about Mm. because we're not going to get anywhere if that's that's the the mentality. I guess so, so you guys aren't the sustainability police. You're no, for that's doing it wrong. the opposite. <laughs> yes. I like guru better than police. That's yes, definitely. <laughs> yes. Or go, go at it with love. <laughs> but I think people take themselves on their own guilt trip. So yes, you know. but I like to pull people up on it yeah. and say, no, no, don't do that. Yeah, nice. that's okay. That you, this is what you're doing. Mm. Let's work with that. And even if you do your improvement 
isn't the most sustainable option, that's still fine. And I still want you to feel really good about that and be really positive about it because it is. The whole world making, say, a half change is better than a tiny percent of the world doing the whole change. And what I've found too is that by shifting slightly, people are more inclined to then make another shift. Mm -hmm. And it's gradual. Yes. And even if it just is as small as you're still shopping at Safeway but you've done something about your green bags or it's every second coffee. That's it. Finding ways that people can feel good about the changes they're doing, even if it's not the most sustainable option, is really important to me. That's Mm. a really, really good point actually because the more you talk about this stuff, the more – it comes up that, yeah, we can do all this stuff individually. We all make little changes, but that won't solve the greater problem. What we need is greater political will and, and corporates mm. taking more responsibility. But that doesn't happen first. So what you say? If, if ever, it's not if happening everyone, at all. In fact, yeah. there's less <laughs> happening for That's corporate. Right. But yeah. if everyone took the, the half step first, mm. that would give such an immense buying signal. It would mm. give such yes. a great political will yeah. statement. Yeah, yeah. We would then start electing the right people, and it – this this obviously, it just struck me just now, this is step one. We all do mm. the micro steps first, show that we actually not only just can acknowledge climate change, but we all take it seriously and are willing to do something. Mm. Then that enables a lot more something happening. Yes, And people get the – well, governments hopefully will get the message, oh, this does matter to people. This has voting power. Yeah, that's right. And people are very sort of disillusioned and think that their voice and their behaviour and where they spend their money stands for nothing. But – it's so powerful and if everybody made that small choice and that small change to, to do something differently, then that's what makes up the collective and yeah. we have to go at it a different way because it's clear that government and big corporations aren't going to make the first step. Nope. It's got to be from the collective people, individual people, making mm. small change. And it's such um, a better way to live as well looking around at the people around you. So when I get onto the tram and I see my fellow slobby Tram riders, I love you, tram riders. I'm one of you. Um, I can all say, hey, we're sending a very strong corporate buying signal to Shell and BP right now by refusing to drive cars or even take the bus. Yes. Your dirty diesel on our streets anyways. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> that's um, another podcast. That, that is actually – that's a really good sort of moment, I think, to reach. And if we could uh, maybe just mm. circle that quickly, just that what you guys are doing, I think, is, is kind of step 0.5 before – because you know, there's only so many people who are going to be at the point where they want to listen to, say, a, a podcast about it or watch ABC's War on Waste, which is mm. probably like step 0.1. That was mm. the mass market, mm. you know, a little peek behind the curtain. But then coming to, to a workshop or, or, say, working in a restaurant like I am and, and agitating with the boss to take some steps on sustainability and they throw their hands there and they say, we don't know what to do. And I say, well... I've got a person for you. <laughs> yeah. Send yeah, Liz. Yeah. Yep. And then, you know, the individuals who need help, send it to Madeline. And mm. this, I think this is how it starts. And that gives me a lot of hope, actually. Mm. Mm. I feel better now than I did half an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> That's what well, we're aiming for. Absolutely. Well, Madeline and I were chatting uh, before we came here. And I think we both agreed that there was a sense of disempowerment amongst mm. the community. You know, I'm only one person. What if I make these sustainable changes? I'm only one person. How, mm. you know, I don't make any impact. There's no change. Why, why make the change when there's only one person, you know? But if everybody made the changes, 
then there's such a there's such a powerful movement there when the mm. whole community makes that change away from single use mm. plastic bags or coffee cups or you know it's that level of disempowerment that needs to change and there's such yep. a level of virtuosity that people feel once mm. they've made dramatic changes in in the grand scheme yeah. of things so the more people that actually embrace the cloth bags you know whether you make your own or you go and purchase them somewhere you actually do feel fantastic. Yeah, and that's, I think, what happens a lot of time in the sustainability space is that people want to live more sustainably, but they just don't know how to go about it. You see all of these, and it is, and it's, it can be inspiring, but it can be really overwhelming when you see YouTube clips of people, you know, fitting their entire year's waste in a, in a glass jar, and yeah. you just think, how on earth am I going to live like that? That's, that's like insane. Sustainability performance art, you know, feel yeah. like you can replicate that. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, but with just doing something simple like taking your cloth bags to the supermarket mm-hmm. and that being something you focus on until you're not forgetting them anymore. Yes. Again, that sort of sense of disempowerment that, and people have forgotten that if nobody asked for a plastic bag, the supermarkets would stop purchasing them. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then they would stop manufacturing them. Mm-hmm. And that's everyone sitting back waiting and putting pressure on the supermarkets to stop producing or providing them. But People have really forgotten that actually if, if every single person went to the supermarket and said no thanks to a, a plastic bag, then they wouldn't have them in the first place. Yes. So it's a, But it's much easier to sit back and say, oh, the supermarkets are really awful. And of they course. are. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> whether I'm allowed massive... to go on record as saying that. But <laughs> it's, you know, we have to take that power back mm. and that it's – your one decision adds up to be the collective yes. behaviour. Mm. And it's just keeping that in mind. Yes. Until someone from the supermarkets, the major chains here at Coles and Woolworths, comes on and convinces me they're not terrible, Climactic <laughs> stands behind the statement, the supermarkets are terrible. Well, I, I have to second that. In, the interv- in, a, in a recent interview I saw online, and they were talking about bringing forward their ban on single-use plastic bags at, mm. the, at the checkouts. And right at the end of the article, at the end of the interview, he said, we are expecting a massive spike in the sales of garbage bags. And I thought, am I the only one that was hearing that? Like they've Mm. just transferred the problem of plastic, Mm. you know, ticking boxes to go, wow, aren't we fantastic? We're phasing out the single-use plastic bags at the checkout. Should be on all their billboards. Yeah. All their big plastic billboards. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And they've now just transferred the problems, which is going to, you know, satisfy the shareholders of the manufacturing Mm. company that manufactures the garbage bags. So they just shifted the problem from A to B. So I just, you know, floored me. And having that, I've just really have lost faith in government and big corporations mm. and, and really throughout my journey. And at the very beginning, when I wanted to start being impactful, thought, well, surely getting behind these campaigns and that are contacting governments and big corporations. And I did that for a little while. And then I just thought, this is just not going to get me anywhere. Um, this isn't, I, I don't think this is the way. And it's really sad and it's really disappointing. But if I continue on this path, I'm going to get so depressed that I don't want to do anything. Mm. And I end up just being really negative about the entire world. And that's not going to be helpful. So I have to go at, about it um, and go at it from a different angle. And this is how I've ended up doing what I'm doing. And and yes, it would be a lot quicker if it was the governments and the corporations that made the changes, but they're not going to. So let's let's feel empowered and feel like we can make a difference and bring that, that sense of responsibility to back to the individual person because mm. we can do something. So, Very good. I think that was a really good note, I think, to wrap it up on. Thank you awesome. so much for your time, both of you, for Thank you, coming out here and dealing with me in a frantic <laughs> panic mode this morning. <laughs> 
And that was an intriguing interview with Liz and Madeline. Thanks very much, Mark. Before we launch into what we got out of it, I hear you've got some exciting news about the Climactic Melbourne University Challenge. Yes, yes I do, and and that would have been such a better name for it than the name (laughs) I was working under, this big convoluted title. But you didn't ask. (laughs) Yeah, I should have asked the wordsmith. That's my mistake. I'll know for next time. Yeah, by the time you guys are hearing this, the applications for the comp will be closed. Mm -hmm. Um, But we have got applications in, and honestly, they're full of more enthusiasm and bright ideas than I could have imagined. And I realized something recently about the comp as well. I, I knew students would be busy. Yeah. And most wouldn't take the time to enter, of all things, a storytelling competition while they're at uni. But I think I really discounted how much bravery it would take for a student to put their hand up for this. Absolutely, yeah. Public speaking can be such a daunting task. I think we all feel that. If we've all done it before a little Mm. bit, it can be quite terrifying. It takes a lot of practice and exposure to get comfortable with it. And students aren't really expected or or given the opportunity to overcome that fear. But no public movement, which I think we all agree is what we need for progress on sustainability here in Australia, can happen without stories and without people willing to tell them. So I want to thank the applicants for overcoming that fear and for sending in such great introduction videos. And I cannot wait to tell you more about how the comp goes. Yeah, that's great news, and well done, Mark. Okay, back to the interview. I did love Liz and Madeline's gently dazzled approach. I mean, many of us are looking to make changes for a more sustainable life, but sometimes the information can be confusing. Yes, it can, but as Liz and Madeline have shown us, there is a simpler way to sustainability. Yes, Mark, Carol, my wife and I are looking at planning our own permaculture-inspired veggie garden ready for spring. And we've got a lot of ideas about that, but uh, I've taken a lot too from Liz's common sense chapter, the growing and making your own food part. Now, I've already had a quick read and I'll be going back over it in more detail. Fantastic. Liz will be really happy to hear you're using it as like the kind of manual she intended it to be. Mm. All the all the stuff in the book primarily is stuff that she did herself on her farm just northwest of Melbourne. Yeah, she'll be really happy to hear that. And, and I have visions, Rich, of you plowing up your backyard now yeah, human <laughs> farmer or or in jeffersonian the the gentleman farmer yes. style yes so what i'll send you a pumpkin mate <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that and uh we'll have all the details about where you can get liz's book in the show notes so you can do all this stuff yourself as well but first here are the credits I would like to thank our tenacious producer, Caleb Fidicaro, for all his ongoing help. Thank you so much, mate. I'd like to thank Abigail Climactic's official designer. Now, you can see her work and hire her at abigailhawkins.com. And Greg Grassi, composer extraordinaire and friend of the show. Thank you so much, Greg, for the fantastic theme music. I still rock out to it every week. Uh, you too, Mark. I do as well. I'd like to thank Gretchen. Thanks for your unerringly accurate feedback. It is much appreciated. And finally, to our guests, Liz and Madeline. Now, I feel like I've given Madeline a little bit of short shrift through the show, uh, but Madeline also is an amazing consultant and is actually going to be one of the judges of the Melbourne Uni Challenge. Wow. Um, check out her work at Green Spectrum. Yep. And if you are in a similar position to to me now or even six months ago and you're not sure how to apply a lot of this stuff, like these great teachings from Liz's book, to your actual life, Madeline is just the right person to ask for help. She's very generous. Please do reach out to her. Okay. Thank you most of all, everybody, for listening. We'll see you all next week. The Climactic Collective.